You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome to the podcast sponsored by Nurtured Noggins. You know, in our last episode, we talked about the mindsets that parents need as they're thinking about when and how and what to feed your baby and your toddler in those very first years to establish great eating habits. So now we're going to dig a little deeper into the whole feeding infants and toddlers thing. But before we begin, two things about this episode. First of all, my dog Cooper wanted to participate, and so you're going to hear him barking in the background. (laughs) I think there was a squirrel in the yard, but anyways, there is some barking, so sorry about that. The second thing is my conversation with our guest today went a little long, so I've divided this podcast into two podcasts. In this first one, she's going to tell you all about the Montessori method of introducing solids to a six-month-old. And I've been working with kids for years and years, and I never knew about this this whole notion of setting a six-month-old at a, at a table and feeding them as if <laughs> they're all grown up. And so um, I think that you're really going to love hearing about this and just thinking about this as a possibility for you and your child at your house. So in the second podcast, which I'm calling a bonus to this episode, Sarah's going to talk about how to set up your kitchen to make it friendly and child-sized for your children so that they can become real contributors to the process of creating and eating and then cleaning up after a meal. So my guest today is Sarah Mudry, and she's an interior designer as well as an early childhood educator who has spent much of her time creating both classroom and home Montessori environments. She's the founder and owner of Studio June, which is an educational studio for young children and parents. She's the author of Toilet Awareness and the First Foods to Family, and she's an experienced international speaker and Montessori educator. So here we go. Here's my conversation with Sarah. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And we are talking all about mealtimes and helping children participate in the meal and uh, contribute to meals and just become uh, a member of the family who is a participant, not just someone who sits to the side and eats their food (laughs) separately from the rest of the family. And you have done such amazing work and you have such a cool book that I want to hear all about. But why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about how a young child from six months to three or four years of age can participate and how can they learn to be a participant in meals with the family and what are some of the the things that you help parents understand? So when it comes to including a young child um, in a family meal, there are a couple of different things to talk about. There is actually sitting with them and having the meal, but then there's also preparing and and allowing them to be a part of that preparation. As far as having them be a part of the meal, the actual sharing of food, uh, most children can join the family meal by actually eating the food at about six months, which is when um, weaning starts. This is, and weaning is the process of Um, transitioning from all milk meals 
to solid meals. So it's not just a, we cut them off of milk, but we do this slow transition from um, all their meals have been milk and now um, they're going to start eating some solid foods. And, you know, depending on a family culture, the types of foods and um, how those foods are presented are different. Some families will only present purees where others will give them um, things they can hold and chew on during the meal. And even from that first meal and including them in the actual eating of food, it's great to have whatever the family is eating, have some portion of that that is available to that six month old. So whether it needs to be pureed or um, I will say one of my uh, Montessori trainers from way back who was uh, Italian, she would just say, well, just give them the crusty bread, you know, put some mm -hmm. tomato puree on it and hand them the, the crust of the, of a great loaf of bread. And I thought, oh gosh, that sounds like an amazing meal, right? Just right. <laughs> crusty bread and <laughs> tomato puree. Um, it's not necessarily what a pediatrician would recommend now, but, um, you know, if you're having a large pasta meal and that's part of it, that is something that they, that they could, um, you know, be included in. But in order for them to join you at the table, um, it's really important to have the furniture that works for them. And for a lot of families, they traditionally use what's called a high chair. And I think most, at least American families I know, have a high chair. And um, the one thing that I recommend that's different is that you remove the tray from the high chair and you can really just take the tray off and, and move that chair right up to the table. And what we do when we do that is we invite them into the family space. We take the tray away and we invite them to share the table with us. And that is significant in a lot of ways. It's not just a physical space that we're sharing, but psychologically we are saying to that child, emotionally we're saying, you are part of this family, you are welcome here, there is a place for you at this table. And um, I really think that that is important from a very young age. You can. Uh, do this with children younger than six months, but it's about six months that they start participating in the eating of it. Um, so it's always a great practice to bring your infant to the table with you when you have a meal, but definitely once they're eating to welcome them to that table and be a part of that space. So that's one thing to, to actually share the family table with them. Now, a lot of times, um, and it kind of from the first meal and in a lot of cultures, um, the first meal is very celebratory, right? Like this is a huge rite of passage. Mm -hmm. You have teeth coming in and you are going from being reclined and taking a bottle or the breast to sitting upright and using your mouth to chew. I mean, these are all like, these are huge. And, you know, for parents, psychologically, it's really a big change too. I'm going yeah. from holding you in that cradled position to sitting you upright and, you know, offering food across the table mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, that, that can be a big change. And for that sort of, for even the first meal or any meal that the child really is eating alone, um, I recommend a weaning table and chair. Now the weaning table is a very kind of heavy, low table. It's heavy because we don't want the child to be able to push it around because they're still just learning all that coordinated movement about how to sit up and and the weaning chair has you know a very um 
uh, upright back. It's got sides on it, so they're not tipping out of it because they're new to sitting. Um, and this helps keep them, and, it, and it's very low. It's um, most are about three or four inches seat height, which is really teeny, um, but just perfect for those little legs. So their feet can be flat on the floor and it's very grounding for them, right? You know, when you sit with your feet on the floor, right. uh, you're much more in control of your posture and your movements than when your feet are kind of dangling and kicking right. around. So, right. yeah. so I want to give them this very kind of firm seated position and we sit on the floor with them and we offer this meal to them on this low table. And it really allows them to kind of take ownership of that meal. Um, there's a lot of new parts to it. They're not used to a spoon. They're not used to a plate, an open glass, all of the, all of the, we can set this beautiful table for them. Um, and it's, they, they love all the pieces, right? Like who doesn't love a nice glass of water, especially when you're six months old and this is fascinating. Um, and they'll reach for it and they'll want to hold it, but they won't, they don't quite know how to drink out of it yet. You know, they're using their tongue in a different way, their gums, they have these new teeth in their mouth. It's just all this newness. Um, so with a weaning table, we can have um, these items at the table, but depending on your child's development, we can put them just out of reach and just move them into reach when they need them. Um, and we can put a little bit of food on a small plate in front of them with a spoon and allow them to work on trying to pick that spoon up and get it to their mouth. And while they're doing that, we can serve them food from another spoon, you know, kind of in between. Um, and in the beginning, that first meal and those first couple of meals take a lot of energy out of them you know, really taking in all that food for the first time and trying to figure out how to eat and swallow and chew. Um, and a lot of times young children will get tired before they'll get full. Right. So that's why we give them that solid food and then we'll follow up with milk after. So if they're still hungry, then you follow it with that bottle. And that's really how we start to get into that weaning. We give that solid food first and follow up with the milk, understanding that's what they're used to, <laughs> how they're okay. used to taking their nutrition. Um, and setting, setting a place like that, having that low table and chair, we really do this out of respect. Um, we do this to say, I understand that you are a full person on your own and that um, you are capable and I'm here to support you until you're completely independent. So, um, you know, and that's how we do so many things as parents, right? Like I'm here to support you until you can be completely independent. I feel like I, I'm still saying that, you know, with my teenagers now, <laughs> right? I'm here to support you until you can be completely independent, <laughs> not with eating. I think they've got that down, but you know, with so many right. other, other things, it becomes more, almost more about social later in life, but, right. um, but all that physical support that we give them in the beginning and always allowing them to try first, to try to do it on their own. Um, it can be messy. Those first meals can be messy, but so worth it because they, they develop so much kind of inner pride, self-confidence out of it. This, this feeling of, I can, I can do this for myself. Um, and then once they know how to do things for themselves. They're freed up to do things for other people. They're freed up right. to think about bigger ideas and what they're going to, what 
they're going to change in this world. Um, right. But the first part of that is helping them to learn to do things for themselves. So just to recap, you have a very low chair, three mm -hmm. inches, four inches off the off the ground that they can sit in and put their feet down. Their little legs are so short. The table is low and you have in front of them a little plate with a little bit of food, a spoon that they can hold and then you have in your hand a little bowl with the spoon. And so while they are, you give them the opportunity to, to try to scoop a little food and try to get it to their mouth. In the meantime, you are waiting on the ready to give them a food and let them have some food in their mouth because maybe they didn't make it to their mouth or they weren't able to keep it right. <laughs> and so, yeah. so you're just introducing this idea of self-feeding while you are feeding and helping them to figure it out. And then you That's also right. said an open cup would, would give a child a drink of water. So why don't you explain a little bit about this open glass for a six month old? Yes, so I know I, I always have to slow down with that one, sorry. Yes, I know in our culture, um, sippy cup is king, right? Like <laughs> um, I can honestly say I've never owned a sippy cup. My children have never owned a sippy cup. Uh, because they don't need it. It really is a crutch. Um, and it's really designed for the convenience of parents. Um, I, I want to challenge parents to think about that. Like, why would we give a child a sippy cup? It's really only so that they can walk around and drink, right? Because if we're seated and we have a drink of water, like there's no worry about it getting on the couch or the rug or, you know, <laughs> creating a mess somewhere because it's just going to be right there at the table. So we really don't need a sippy cup. We just have to teach them or show them that when they're seated, we can hand them the glass. And there's a, I think there's a, some pictures in the book about how, it, and it's a six month old um, taking her first drinks of water in, in there. Um, but how we can help them put both hands around the glass and you know, just a three ounce glass is the perfect size. Uh, and you, they can put their hands around the glass and then they can bring it to their mouth. They do that all pretty instinctually. Like that, they've been watching you drink water and whatever else, they know it comes to the mouth. They wanna put it in their mouth anyway. Um, and what I, <laughs> the difficulty is what I always call the dismount. So putting the water back down, you really have to kind of have your hands over their hands and help them place it back down on the table. And then you just want to slide it out of reach while you switch back to food. Once they're starting solid food, they do need to be drinking water. Uh, it is part of their nutrition. It's part of, you know, keeping them from getting constipated. Um, so they do need water starting at six months with solid food, uh, but they can take it um, from an open glass like this and they'll learn quickly how to drink from it. At first, they kind of put their tongue in there. They're trying to lap it up like a dog or a cat might, um, but that's just, they're just trying to figure out how to use their mouth. And um, so if you can help them place it back down, that that's the most difficult part. Most children um, kind of have this instinct to toss it over their shoulder. <laughs> I'm done with this, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I call it the dismount. Like, oh, let's go back to like, bring it back to the table. Um, and then before long, you can, you know, 
you'll just, you'll notice that you're just filling this glass with water over and over again from your pitcher. And then they're filling the glass over and over again with their pitcher. It, at Studio June, um, one of the classes we offer is Montessori for Young Children. And in that class, they have a snack. That's a class for children who are walking up to three years old. So it, they usually start around 14, 16 months old. And they have a snack and they set the table with uh, real dishes and, uh, you know, open glass, fork, spoon, placemat, napkin, all of it. Um, so they learn to set the table. They sit together and share this snack, this meal. And, um, you know, they just pass the little pitcher of water around and they're, they're pouring their water and parents are always so fascinated by how independent they can be and they want to be. And um, it's just, it's one of the most rewarding times in that class, watching them have snack and have that meal together and participate and be independent. Um, but yeah, they definitely um, by 14, 16 months can be pouring their own glass of water. So I guess you just put a tiny little amount of water in the glass because if a, if a six or eight month old takes the cup and, you know, they might accidentally put too much water and get it in their nose and stuff. And so. Right. Yeah. In the beginning, they kind of, they um, surprise themselves. They still have that. Um, uh, often they'll still have the um, reflex where they hold their breath when water gets in their face or they get a burst of air in their face, they'll hold their breath and you'll see them kind of go, <gasps> which right. is just, it's just their, you know, their reflexes that's natural. Um, yeah. So just put a little in there as one of my instructors once said, uh, only put in there as much as you want to clean up. Right. So that was my next question about <laughs> the spills. Yeah. And I assume that's the less general. water you have in there, the better it is for spills, which there will be. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And there will be spills, but, that's the only way they're going to learn. And it's such great. Um, it's such a great activity for them because that coordinated movie movement, sorry, that coordinated movement, the hand to mouth, uh, holding an object with two hands, all of that is really important development for them. And it's just another way for them to practice that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're bringing it up to center line and, uh, yep. you know, doing lots of, of good things physically right. uh, as well as getting and, a drink of water. And if you are put, setting the table um, properly, <laughs> fork on the left, spoon on the right, plate in the center and glass on the right, they are crossing, the, they will cross the midline to pick up the glass. So, you know, they'll cross the midline to take food, to pick up the fork, that, to pick up the spoon. All of that is, I mean, they're all midline crossing activities, which we know is really good for brain development mm -hmm. and coordination. Mm -hmm. So um, there are so many opportunities in a, just the typical activities of a day caring for a child that are educational moments. You know, it's right. not just um, it's not just, oh, well, what can you know, so many parents say, well, what can I do so that my child is developing, you know, X, Y and Z or so I know that they're on the right path and I I just think like there's so many things of just living with them that are important that help right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit, this, I think might be my last question on this and then we'll move into the kitchen itself, but um, okay. why set a table? I mean, I, I'm not sure that everybody still sets a table before they eat anymore. So why is it important when, when you are starting children and tell me about this table setting? 
So table setting is, it is very important. And I know, I mean, we have quick dinners at home where we don't necessarily set the whole table anymore, but we also have meals where we do take the time to set the table, placemats, tablecloth, whatever it is. Um, and it shouldn't just be special events that you do that for. The reason we start with young children and setting the table is because every activity in our lives has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Or every activity in our lives should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so if we are helping children build the stamina to get through an activity, to feel the benefit of completion, um, and to understand beginning, middle, end, we, can, we need to do that with almost everything in their life. Uh, and so when we have routine like that with the basic things for them, they, they internalize the order and they internalize that feeling of where do I start? What needs to be done now? How does it feel when it's done? And so many children get to the elementary years and can't follow through with that sort of activity, even the high school years, right? Like they, because somebody else brought them a plate that's totally like fixed. Like that's so common that parents just hand their child a plate with the food already on it. Yeah, it's so much um, simpler. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is simpler in the short run, but in the long run, you don't want to be teaching a 15 year old how to start stay with and complete an activity. You want that 15 year old to have the sense of where they are in that school project. Where am I in the science fair exhibition? Um, and if they don't have that from early on, they have to develop it at some point right. to be successful. I mean, we all have to, be, we, we know as adults, you <laughs> right. know, when you're like, oh gosh, that knitting project is still in that basket or, or whatever project it is in your life, that organization project, whatever it is, you know what needs to be done to get it done and whether you're gonna do that or not. And if you have the, the stamina to do it and you, you also know how good it feels if you could just get it done. Right. And so we want to give our children the gift of having that as, Tip, their typical life. I think the gift we give our children through this is this is what it feels like. And you know it from the core of who you are. So this will be easy throughout your life. This will not be the difficult part of your life. Completing a task will not be something that holds you up from all the other things you want to do in the world. So I know it seems strange, right? Like all that from setting the table, but I truly feel like all of, all of those places that we set in the beginning of their life are really what prepare them to launch. You were talking about launching earlier. Right. Um, so, yeah. when, uh, so you start by setting the table, you yes. have the meal. What's the last step? What's the completion step of that? So like you said, we have the meal. So the middle part, I just don't want to skip over. We allow them when they're ready. We want them to take the amount of food that they feel is appropriate for them. And this is probably, I mean, I'm talking maybe two, three years old, they're ready to serve themselves. And 
then we can say to them, you know, if they say, oh, well, I want more strawberries. And you say, well, you can, I will pass the strawberries when you have finished the peas that you took and put on your plate. So this understanding of eating what you take, um, but also I'm not trying to tell you what you're hungry, how hungry you are, because I can't know that. As your parent, I can't know how hungry you are and I can help you take little bits of everything and, and then support you as you finish what you put on your plate and then you can come back around, you can put another scoop of strawberries on your plate. Most children go to the fruit anyway. Um, not all children. I've known some children that don't like fruit. Um, but we want to encourage them to take what they feel they're hungry for and to acknowledge the feeling of hunger, the feeling of full. Um, and so that's that middle part, right? Where you serve yourself and you pass it. Um, and then after there's the clearing and the putting the dishes away. And every walking child can be a part of that, whether it's taking one dish to the dishwasher. I know families that have a tub that they, you know, put next to the sink and the children just place the dishes in the tub. Um, but every child can help. Every walking child can help to clear the dishes. If you have a child that you are, you know, that um, can't move on their own yet, pre-mobile, you can carry them while you remove a couple of dishes and you can have them. Here, can you hold this spoon? We're gonna walk over to the sink. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna put the sink in the dishwasher. They can be a part of that to know that that's part of the process. We really wanna be careful of not making, um, making it seem like magic to them, right? Like right. the plate shows up full right in front of them, you eat and then the plate disappears. And then- <laughs> Magic. <laughs> that's, that's, it's a magic meal um, because when they see the parts of it and they're invited to be a part of each part of it, then they want to be a part, which is such, that's the great thing. When they, when they realize, oh, I can walk and carry this plate or I can walk and put the basket of muffins on, on the table, the pride that comes from them is just amazing. Mm -hmm. So yes, beginning, middle, <clears throat> and definitely important. And the great part about that is you're having multiple meals a day. So they get to practice all day long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we eat all day. So that's really great. <laughs> and uh, with little bitty children, you have a prime audience because they want to do this. They want to participate. Yes. They want to be around whatever you're doing and they want to, they yes. want to help. There's, there's not any that's much right. resistance at that point. <laughs> Alrighty, that's it for the first half of this episode on the Montessori method for weaning infants and encouraging autonomy and independence around eating meals. I hope you learned something new from Sarah. Please join me for the rest of the conversation where she describes how to create a Montessori kitchen for your child to participate in the preparation of food and cleaning up all on their own. If you loved today's episode, take a minute and subscribe to our podcast. And one last thing, I'd love to pray for you and your baby if you'd like for me to. You can email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com. Your request can be as simple as just one word, or it can include an explanation. Either way, you can trust that I will pray for you. It's a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and your family and support you in your parenting journey. <laughs>